Hello and welcome to the Michael Mamas Show. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mamas. We're coming to you from Mount Soma, home of the Sri Sameshwara Temple in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Uh, today we're going to talk about the spiritual path, you know, the truth about the spiritual path. Uh, but before we get into that, th there are just a few little things I wanted to bring up, little tidbits. <clears throat> One of them, there's this woman, she lives uh, somewhere in these mountains, and she's over 100 years old. And they interviewed her, and I've been told this story, they interviewed her and they asked her what her secret to longevity is. And she said there are three things. She said, number one is stay active. And uh, interestingly enough, number two, she said is volunteer. That's interesting. And then uh, the, the third one is also kind of interesting. She said, and mind your own business. I thought those were pretty good, huh, Scotty? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> three of the toughest things in the world. <laughs> Stay active, volunteer, and mind your own business. <laughs> yeah. You know, that gets into all the gossipy, rumory, slanderous type stuff that seems a lot of people are so fond of, you know. Uh, another thing, too, kind of goes along the same lines is, you know, we're talking about the pandemic and the virus and all that. I think from what I see, we're experiencing right now an excitability pandemic. Uh, and it's understandable. I mean, there's so much going on and everything, but people are, you know, excited about the and agitated, you know, about the vaccine. They're agitated about the border. They're agitated about politics. They're agitated about, you know, China and, you know, the list is long, racism, you know. But it just seems everybody's on edge. I'm getting bombarded by the way with, you know, emails and texts of people that are just worried, you know, and scared and agitated. Um, and my response to one person was, I said, you know, we're in that phase transition and the, the bow, you know, is being pulled back, but it's going to release soon and we're going to soar. You know, that phase transition is happening. And, and this is the faint transition. And we've been predicting this for a long time. So that's just, you know, that's just what's going on. So just hang in there, steady hand on the rudder, as I like to say. It's going to, to, to make it through here, it's going to require some courage, some commitment. But it's all going to work out, you know. And there, there was a saint. Um, this was uh, many, several decades ago what, maybe 40, 50 years. And uh, he was saying that karmically, what was going to happen to the world now at our time was going to be an Armageddon. There was going to be, you know, nuclear war or what have you. Uh, but that's been circumvented. Uh, and so really the little ripples we're experiencing now in the phase transition is uh, great compared to what it could have been. I mean, the idea then was that the slate was going to be wiped clean and everything was going to start all over, you know. So we can count our blessings about that, you know. But um, uh, those are just a few little tidbits that came to mind. I thought I'd like to share them. 
but today, Scotty, we're going to talk about the truth about the spiritual path. And I think there's a, a lot to be said about that. And first on the list, I think, is uh, this idea of, um, you know, you have the Veda. That's like the physics of existence. If you look at it from a, from the uh, uh, mechanics perspective, there's also the mind, you know, the intellect. There's also, of course, the heart component, the personified correlates of divinity, all like that. But from the perspective of like a a more physical idea or a more the mechanics of creation idea, the Vedas like physics kind of correlates to physics. Whereas uh, now you have left and right-handed Tantra. Tantra is like technology. Oftentimes people associate Tantra in a kind of a limited way. They think of it as, you know, a negative thing, left-handed, but there's left-handed Tantra and there's right-handed Tantra. Right-handed Tantra is engineering. Uh, it's like it, if, if the Veda is like physics, then right-handed Tantra is like engineering. It's implementation of the technology of, uh, of Vedic knowledge. Okay. But then there's also a left-handed Tantra. Left, left. What do we got going here? You there, Scotty? Yeah. Yeah, Okay, good. Left-handed Tantra is, um, it's kind of like if you blow a fuse in your house and you don't have a fuse to replace it, you just take a little piece of aluminum foil and stick it in there. You can get really flashy, dramatic, and quick results uh, really fast. But the thing is, you can burn the house down. And the reason that's important to understand that is that there are tons of left-handed tantric techniques. And a lot of people use those techniques um, to, you know, try to evolve spiritually. But it's really unhealthy. It it results in a lot of bad karma. And one one typical thing that's done is that they... uh, use the techniques to kind of like drill open the chakras and uh, see the chakras are, they're subtle and they, they are kind of like modulators of the energy system and the energies that enter the body and like that. And uh, 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 they're kind of like filters in a way also, but if you just drill them open, you know, those, those shockers are delicate. They're supposed to blossom naturally. They're not supposed to detonate. Uh, but kind of like the aluminum foil in the fuse box, you know, if you uh, drill out a chakra, all of a sudden, all this light starts pouring in and you're getting all this energy pouring in and it's quick results. It's left-handed tantra and it can even feel great. Uh, but it's really unhealthy. And uh, it's been said by, by people that I really trust, saints in India that I know, um, <clears throat> that it can take five lifetimes for that damage to be uh, healed. So we have to be really discerning and careful. Uh, I remember there was this one uh, saint in India that said that... Uh, some people wanted to go visit some Swami or somebody. 
And he said, if, if you do that, he said, uh, we will find your body floating down the Ganges. And it took me a while to really get what he's saying. He wasn't necessarily meaning the physical body. He was meaning the spiritual component of a person's being. Uh, so bottom line, there's, we really need to be careful to sidestep left-hand and tantra. And I'll tell you something. I have said that. I have given lectures about it. <clears throat> I've explained it in detail. But the process, we're talking about evolution. We're talking about human evolution. It's a process. Spiritual growth comes on very gradually. There can be sudden shifts, but it comes along very gradually. And uh, if you go to somebody and, oh, they're a great healer and they blow your third eye open and, oh, all of a sudden you're seeing all kinds of light and everything. <clears throat> People can be tempted by that sort of a thing. Uh, but you really need to be careful. Be and even people that I've warned and, and said that to, once that happens, it's almost like a drug. You know, once you take that drug, you're addicted, you know. So, Michael, what are some of the things that people are doing, you know, like here, you know, that they got to be careful with or. Well, there's. Know, there, don't go there. kind of. There, there are some guru types, you know, self-proclaimed gurus or whatever uh, that have actual techniques. Like there was this. Here's an interesting story. There was this guy who and he was he got a big, huge following. Uh, and this was decades ago. And uh, the way he did it <clears throat> was that when people came to see him, the guru, you know, when people came to see him, they, they had him walk down this carpet, red carpet, as I recall being told. And at the end of the carpet, sitting on like a throne was this guru guy. And lined on either side of the carpet were people. But they had um, energy manipulators planted you know along the way and when these people walked by they tap their third eye and and tap their different chakras and by the time they got <clears throat> to the end where the little guru guy was uh they were seeing lights and they looked at the guru guy and all sorts of lights were coming out of his head and everything and they decided the guy was enlightened and they they generally did that with um wealthy people and then they donate all their money uh, that's one, one story. Um, but there are other stories. Oftentimes it's in, it's done in the name of healing and, uh, Oh, what a great healing boy. You know, I got this healing and now I'm feeling great. I got all this energy moving through me. I'm seeing lights and people think they're enlightened. Uh, <clears throat> but I like, I'd like to say, you know, uh, things like that, you think you're getting enlightened, but what you're doing is you're going insane, you know? Um, so that's another, that's another example. <clears throat> I knew this person who was teaching a healing technique where they would take the chakra, pry it open, and then stick little staves in it, like the things you use in collars, you know, to hold the chakra open. Shockers, the shockers are like flowers, you know, they blossom and then they can close naturally at, at a particular time. Keeping the chakra pride open all the time is very unnatural. And that's the key to real evolution. It's got to be natural. You see? And and uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of times we, Scotty, you know, people are attracted to flash. You know, they're attracted to drama. And uh, 
uh, I think there's this idea that if a spiritual guru is different, you know, really weird kind of thing. And uh, <clears throat> like I met this one guy once who was a self-proclaimed guru. And uh, I said, hi, how you doing? You know, uh, where are you from? And he looked up and he said, the universe, just like that. And right away I was like, oh man. And then I said, well, you know, uh, uh, where do you live? And he said, earth. Now, some people think that's great. And wow, this guy's really profound and deep, but it's not how it is. When you, the more you evolve, you don't become more and more weird. You become more and more normal. The whole process of human evolution is the process of normalization. You know, is that resp responsive, Scotty? Does that kind of give an idea? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> See, we also, we have like these idealized notions. What are some idealized notions of uh, in, enlightenment, um, <clears throat> Scotty? Uh, well, the whole Jesus thing, you know, as, as depicted in the Hollywood movies. You know, this guy floats in the room and <clears throat> like in the uh, movie Ben-Hur, you know, Ben-Hur's there and the Romans are marching him along and, you know, he's dying of thirst and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden the music gets dramatic and out from the sunrise or sunset, whatever, emerges this person and, and uh, gives Ben-Hur some water. And the uh, <clears throat> Roman sergeant with his bullwhip comes up and he's going to chase him away. You're not supposed to give him water. But then he looks at Jesus and he goes <laughs> like that and he just backs up. It's That's not what it's like, you know. I, uh, it's hard. See, that's the point. There is such a thing is an enlightened being, Jesus, you know, the embodiment of the Christ, you know. Uh, but how do you depict that in a movie? Because enlightened people don't come across more weird. If, if he was really like that, where would they have found three guys that'd be willing to nail him to a cross? It's not like that, you know. And, and, um, <clears throat> the other thing, Scotty, is like with, uh, uh, well, just personality things, you know. See, our evolution is such an internal thing. It's such a, it's, it's not a superficial thing. It's deep. It's, it's awakening to the depth of your being. Now, we all sense that. We all sense that. That there's something inside. Some would use the word divinity. Some wouldn't. Some, some would call it the soul. Different people would call it different things. But the idea is that we all sense that. But 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 he, but the thing is, as the physiology refines, as it more and more, I compare it to like a docking station. You know, if if you have the mother ship, you know that's kind of like the the Veda, or the transcendental level, Chaitanya. You know, uh, <clears throat> and then we're these little satellites that are trying to find their way back to Titania, back to divinity, fully awake, you see, to that divinity within. But you see, when we start to get closer, we feel it and we feel the pull more and more. All of us feel that pull to some extent. You see, we all do. We sense that divinity within. But what happens is, is it gets closer and closer to the mother station. At some point, it all of a sudden like clicks. 
And that's what they call enlightenment. It's almost like you're no longer running on batteries. Now you're plugged into, you know, 110 volts, 220 volts, whatever, you see. Uh, <clears throat> but there, there's a, there are two temple areas up in the Himalayas I went to. One of them is called Jageshra. It's the, it's the, uh, it's like there are a bunch of temples there, 108 of them, I guess. And, and each one represents a different kind of awakening. And the point being, there are all sorts of awakenings. And what happens along the spiritual path is people have a certain awakening, kind of like a light bulb goes off or aha. I mean, we have aha experiences all the time. Those are all just different subsets of different types of awakenings, you know. But oftentimes somebody has an awakening and they decide they're enlightened. But there's only one real full enlightenment, and that's another temple in Himalaya called Muteshra. You know, it's about that. Uh, uh, and so that's another place where people get, get stuck is they have an awakening, they decide they're enlightened. <clears throat> and then from that unenlightened place, they start um, mimicking what? Their preconceived notions of what it's supposed to be in their mind like to be enlightened. And that's where you start seeing things, you know, people walking around very serenely and ending every, every sentence in an upbeat, you know, and uh, all sorts of things. But, you know, it's, it's, a it's, it's almost, it's a challenge. The real evolution is a challenge in that you're sitting there, you know, doing all your spiritual practices and everything. And if they're working or not, particularly if they're not working, then you even feel more inclination to kind of manipulate your personality on the surface behavioral modification, something so that you convince yourself that you're evolving. But that's, it's a red herring. It's a distraction. And then there are the people that, because there's kind of a shared group notion of what you're supposed to be like when you're enlightened, you know. And uh, uh, there are people that get so good at that behavioral modification that they, uh, uh convince people who, who have that shared idealized notion, they convince them that, oh yeah, this guy's enlightened. He's behaving just like an enlightened person should, but it's based on preconceived notions. It's based upon indoctrinations that happened from early on. Uh, uh, and if you do that, well, what did Swami Muktananda say? He said, if you work, if, and he was talking about it in that way, but he said, if you spend your life working on self-improvement, all you have to show for it at the end of your life is an improved self. Now, what do you mean by that? He meant conforming your behavioral pattern to some idealized notion. But that's like an overlay. It's like a Band-Aid therapy. It's not real spiritual growth. And that can be tough because don't we want some kind of sign post along the way that, hey, you know, I, I'm really evolving and stuff, but it's it's more internal than that. Uh, the rest is a distraction, you know. Now, at the same time, there's such thing as good manners, uh, 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 basic respect. Uh, uh, what, Scotty, what else? Just um, there are certain codes of conduct, things that, that we can... Um, 
maintain like a decorum. Uh, and those are all good. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying that too much of behavioral modification in the name of an idealized notion can lead you astray. It's like echoes of truth perceived as truth. Hold truth at bay. You might be shooting for enlightenment, but then there's some echo of enlightenment, but it's some preconceived notion. And you go for that. And what does it do? It leads you astray from real evolution. Because if you're hanging on, it, you're, then you're resisting. And, and if you're hanging on to that preconceived notion, it can actually preclude the rate, the uh, um, unfoldment of real spiritual evolution, you know? Um, it's not <clears throat> easy, is it? What's that? It's not easy, is it? <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. And, and uh, that's why I think people can be really tempted, huh, Scotty, for the left-handed Tantra thing or for uh, behavioral modification or some superficial expression, some something so that they kind of think they're growing. But you, again, you don't, as you evolve, you don't become more weird. You don't become more otherworldish. You don't become more strange. You become more normal. Now, <clears throat> there's another thing, and that is that with the shockers, you know, this kind of thing where people open to heaven and that, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Well, there's actually a physiological correlate to that in that the crown chakra, and actually it's a play between the, the uh, third eye, the front of the sixth chakra and the crown chakra that opens to the heavens. And these are mappings now. You see, because we could, it, that opening above heaven above maps onto the transcendent chaitanya which permeates everything but it's it's a correlation it's a mapping uh <clears throat> and so though there is that reality to it it's it that can too become a distraction and we call those people you know spirituality current uh distortion really uh and they do everything they can and they're walking around like this and they're just kind of not even connected to their body anymore. And they think they're spiritually above everybody else. Um, but that's not the way it works. Does that, that make sense, Scotty? You want to say anything else about that? Yeah. It's just, you know, like living here in Los Angeles, you see so many different, you know, modalities to go into the spiritual world, you know, it just, I don't know if there's something that you can say in terms of, um, you know, you know, what should these people be doing? You know, how, you know, cause like you said, I mean, it's so easy to, you know, get yourself off in some bad direction. But if you look at it, there's like millions of things that are out there every day that people are yeah. messing with and doing and whatever. See, that's, that's another double bind, isn't it? Because you, you need to yeah. be discerning. But how do you cultivate discernment? I mean, Adi Shankar called the spiritual path the path of discernment. How do you cultivate discernment? Evolve. How do you evolve? Be discerning. <laughs> so yeah. you see what I'm saying there, Scotty? Yeah. Yeah, so you just have to do your best and, and, and really stop and think. And I think this information can help. Uh 
number one most important thing to do to evolve is a proper meditation. But even what I mean, I mean by proper, there are all kinds of meditations. There are meditations to pry open your third eye. There are meditations to uh, <clears throat> enable you to focus. There are all kinds of different meditations for all kinds of different things. So what I'm, what do I mean? And I use the word proper. Maybe I could find a better word, but I'm just using the word proper meditation is a meditation that allows the awareness and thereby the whole physiology to rest into its own true nature, which is divine, but it's a natural thing. It's not an imposition. And uh, uh, you can, if you go to my uh, <clears throat> YouTube channel, uh, first two videos that come up are how to, how to meditate. And it's an ancient meditation. It's been around for thousands and thousands of years. I didn't make it up. And, uh, but it's real because it's natural. It's a natural unfoldment. You just rest into your own true nature. That's what it means. You can't take heaven by storm. You know, you can't attack it. You can't blow open your third eye or have some dramatic. It's a, it's a natural unfoldment. And so first thing I'd say to do is learn that meditation. Uh, <clears throat> another thing too is, you know, this idea of mantras. All mantras connect to the divine, but they come in from different angles. And and they and they thereby as they unfold they have different influences, and so the idea that oh something's a mantra so great I can use it to meditate no 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 that's like walking into a pharmacy and saying well it's all medicine so I'm just going to take one of everything off the shelf or oh this one's pretty blue pill so I'll take it no that's not that's there's a technology to mantras right handed tantra the proper use of mantras you see. And, and it's a subtle knowledge, and it's one that's um, pretty much ignored, you know, um, households. Well, you think, yeah, go ahead. Do you think people should stay away from mantras, and or if they're going to get with mantras, how would they know what, you know what I mean? Like, which yeah, ones well, should they use? Well, a good question. There, there's some mantras that are universal mantras. You Pretty much anybody can use them, and that's the mantra that, that we teach. Uh uh, there are other mantras that are more specific, and 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 the best way to go about it at that is, um, I would just learn the mantra that we teach because then you're safe; it's good. But uh, uh, other mantras for other purposes, then you need to go to a highly, fully trained Vedic pundit, uh, and and they do exist, and uh, and. Uh, Certainly, our Pandaji, he's, he's great at Jyotish. And Jyotish is one technology that's used to kind of zero in, and there are other components to it, but on, on a mantra that would be pro appropriate for a particular individual. Uh, or he may just say, well, this is a universal mantra. But, but it also has to do with the nature of your physiology. And this is the whole other arena that gets confused. And that's the, the whole notion of uh, uh, caste, the caste system, Scotty. Uh, the caste system has just really degenerated in a lot of areas into some kind of judgment system. Oh, there's this caste and they're higher than these people over there that, of another caste. And that is not what the caste system is about in its pure state, the caste system is just recognizing there are different types of nervous systems. And what is good for one nervous system may not be good for the other. 
And so then there's a whole technology there of what mantras are appropriate for particular types of nervous systems. Uh, <clears throat> is it okay to say that the, the problem with the, the caste system is the, let's, for lack of a better word, unenlightened people putting a priority on one nervous system over another, basically? Yeah, it, it becomes like a judgment system. Right. Yeah. And that's versus the enlightened people know, okay, all these are the the beauty of you know creation, right? Where an enlightened person looks at it like that and and knows that each one of these is unique into itself and divine and yeah, like for yeah. example, <clears throat> Lord Krishna was a Kshatriya. You know, Kshatriyas are like they're kings, government rulers, warriors, you know. Uh, so it's it's not like oh well you're more spiritually evolved because you're this other like cast. a Brahmin or yeah yeah like a Brahmin, uh, uh, and there's a need for all those different casts. It's just normal. It's just normal, you know. Uh, and isn't isn't it great, really, if you knew? And now in in America in particular, people are largely hodgepodges of a bunch of different things, you know. But imagine if you were born into a home where everything was dharmic. You lived in accord with the nature of your nervous system. Your family members all had that same nature. And so even the profession is supported by the home life, you see. It's not that way anymore, you know. It's certainly not in America. Well, it's what's funny too is when you were talking about Jodish and and I remember Chakrapani talking about how you're born when the planets harmonize with your karma, right? So yeah, you can say it that way, yeah. Right. So he he would say that you know you're born exactly at the right time to kind of pick up on your evolution, you know, where yeah. where you needed to go. You know, kind of. Yeah, thing. he's right. The, yeah. Your Jyotish chart, your astrology chart, is largely just a map of your karma. You know, and 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 that's that's what that's one aspect of God's will is karma. The other aspect of God's will is free will, and it's the interplay of those two things. So we use our free will to navigate the waters of the karma that we were born into. You know. But the problem people get into there is they think, well, I feel free, therefore I am. Well, a lot of what you feel is your karma, you know. So even even uh, it comes right back down to guess what? Discernment, you know. Is this my free will or do I want to do such and such because uh, it's just the karma of my own psychology? You see, it's it's a, it's a delicate path. It's a subtle path, you know. They they talk about um, anything more on that, Scotty? I... Well, no, it's just it. Um, it seems like you know everything's getting more and more muddied from you know like where you might have had the the caste system, but you know when the Earth was or when humanity was new, there might have been more channels like that were specific to that. But now that there's so many people and so many people, are, now it's just you're you're born into what you're born in, and you know, it's just, I don't know. I just, well, it's a karmic, it's a karmic yeah. mumbo jumbo, right? 
right now, you know and yeah. that's and you see everything cycles the electron cycles that's a frequency you know the uh sun rises it sets the moon goes through a monthly cycle the uh annual cycle you know um and then there are bigger cycles yugas you know thousands and thousands of years and uh each of these yugas has different laws of nature very different laws of nature to the point where if we learn about another yuga it's like oh that's got to be fairy tale because that's not possible well it's just because the laws of nature change you see from yuga to yuga and right now in this yuga they say the raksha the rakshasas you know like in <clears throat> inside yuga the rakshasas are far off on another planet or whatever in the kali yuga which is where we are now the rakshasas dwell inside of the people rakshasas meaning like um, kind of negativity you could say yeah so so uh <clears throat> that's what we're dealing with and that's why we're really lucky i mean this phase transition is tough but it's a transition from kali yuga to a brief period of sat yuga and there's a lot of of uh, uh validation for that it's not just me saying it you know um it was even predicted thousands of years ago that this time period there was going to be that uh that event uh taking place you know um <clears throat> other things that you can do to help evolve try to try to do what is right you know uh, and it's it's not easy we we make mistakes and things but always lean in the direction of doing what's right and if you even think something maybe isn't right then maybe if you can just don't do it you know uh, there there are the shastras the, the shastras are guidelines but we need to be careful <clears throat> see here's here's the thing the veda can, the knowledge of contained in the knowledge of veda and this is an important point uh is the laws of nature for each yuga and so there are techniques in fact that are described in vedic literature and people might try to practice those techniques and they say well it's in the veda but the thing is it can be for a different yuga you know right technique wrong yuga you know so even that has to be uh uh really considered there's some you know the, the example i like to use is the people that walk around with their hands held over their head until their arms turn into leather they're like two, two by fours you know they can't even use them thinking that that's going to give them some spiritual progress well maybe in a different yuga but certainly not not evolutionary right now it's just not michael you know? how how helpful is it to like take a look at your likes your dislikes your identities the way that you see the world write these things down just to see what your tendencies are and your you know just the way you are as a person so that you it's can not it's i think it's i think it's important yeah and i also think it's not a very easy path yeah. because you see we're whatever colored glasses we're wearing, that's what we project onto the world. Right. And I think everybody thinks, well, if everybody thought the way I thought, then the world would be fine. And that's not, not the way it is. And, uh, and so our likes, our dislikes, how we judge other people, all that is very much based on our um, own personal identities. So right. if we're capable of taking a look at it and working with it, <clears throat> it's great. But a lot of people aren't. In fact, 
if they go to somebody who can help them with that, a counselor, a guru, whatever, if they hear something they don't like, instead of being able to work with it constructively, they just get mad at the guru, you know, or get mad at yeah. the counselor or whatever. So again, I mean, there has to be a cultivation of real discernment because at the same time, see, it's all sticky wickets, isn't it? Just because somebody tells you something, you don't take a hook, line and sinker. You know, the best thing about that is, um, um, Somebody asked a, a, a guru about that. He said, oh, you're so great and all your teachings are so magnificent and stuff. But what if you told me to go jump in a lake? Should I do it? And he said, no. He says, you know me by my teachings. And so what we try to do, and in the school we do this, the teachings, you know. Uh, and that's that's um, a knowledge in the and. If, if, the more you work with it, the more you look at it, and the more you, it's like, this makes sense. This is common sense. And once you have that, once you have teachings that are really beautiful and, and really profound and not more weird, but just more natural, you see, uh, uh, then, then you have some sort of assistance but now you might say well the shastras you know we talked about the shastras in the previous podcast how those are kind of like guidelines from the veda how to live your life and that's fabulous and we can implement those shastras and use those shastras but then we need to be careful about that too because is this shastra for this yuga or is it a shastra for another yuga is is it understood because keep in mind vedic literature isn't you know look up on page 35 you know how to behave it's a, it's a subtle knowledge, it's a language of nature, and it's easily misunderstood, and it can be picked up on, a, on numerous different levels. Uh, uh, and echoes of truth, perceived as truth, hold truth at bay. And I, this, this may sound kind of, um, can't you just give me a cookbook? You know, can't you just tell me how to be? And there are plenty of help, self-help books out there that do that, but it's not how it works. It's a more subtle thing. One, one thing that's helpful is just to be around, if you have the opportunity to be around an enlightened person. The thing is, how do you know they're enlightened and they're not just, you know, more weird, you know? Uh, so how do you even know that? But here's the thing, an, an enlightened person doesn't behave a particular way. They, they all have their own personalities and there's a huge range some of them are stoic and others of them are kind and soft and loving. Some of them are very intellectual. Others of them are very touchy-feely. Uh, there's a full range of possibilities. But, the, but the, the thing is they are all rooted in, in Mother Nature. And, and so it's their own nature blossoming. It's like a, like a tree and all the different branches of the tree. All the trees, the trunk is rooted in Mother Earth. But the branches blow in the wind and they all bend in different directions. And so you can't generalize. You can't say, oh, well, uh, this guy's enlightened and his branch is bending over that way. Therefore, if I bend my branch over that way, I'll be enlightened too. It's not how it works. That's all upside down, you see. Uh, but nevertheless, here's the thing about enlightened people that... 
depth of their being that they're living in accord with. You know, they, the docking station is locked into the mother station, you know. Uh, and that value then radiates out through them. But it's not going to necessarily be consistent with the observer's preconceived notion of what an enlightened person can be like. But nevertheless, they can feel it. Uh, and that's that's great because then, but at the same time, what happens is um, uh, it's like being too close to the sun. You know, you got to be able to handle it. You get a nice tan, but if you're too close and you can't handle it, you know, you can get burnt, you know. Uh, uh, and so, so even that is a delicate thing, you know. Is, is it, does that make sense, Scotty? Did I say that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what an enlightened person behaves like, one thing to know, it's the full range of human emotions. It's not like they're peaceful and serene all the time. Some might be more than others, but some might be, there's such a thing as a crotchety saint. I've, I knew one, and it was amazing to be around him. But nevertheless, the guy had some shakti to him. He, you could feel it. You know, there was a power there. Uh, uh, but even that can be misleading. I can't tell you how many people have come to me through the years and, oh, I just met this guy and he's just so wonderful. And it's amazing that he hasn't studied any of this stuff before, but he's just living it. And then it happens frequently. I'm, I must say that three, four, five months down the line, they'll say, oh, remember that guy I told you about? Boy, was I wrong. You know, so that's, see, when you love someone, you see the divinity in them. Because divinity dwells within everybody, and that's what love is. You see that place inside of them that is divine. But then you also can start to see the turbulence of the personality, and if that's not consistent with your personality, then you're going to reject them. And, and the thing is, an enlightened person is not going to live their life conforming to your preconceived notions of what an enlightened person is supposed to be like. And so if you're around an enlightened person, you can even say, well, that guy's not enlightened because look how he's behaving. That's not what an enlightened person would be like. I know that. And so once again, Double binds everywhere. It's a paradoxical universe. It's, it's, a, it's a subtle thing. But see, being around an enlightened person, higher energy, which they have, just naturally flows downhill. And so there's a benefit there because you start to, to they become like a conduit as a connection to, to the divine. But if you're, again, white-knuckling onto a preconceived notion, or if it's more than your physiology can even handle, then uh, uh, it can be even hard to just even be around them, you know? That all makes sense, huh, Scotty? Sure. Yeah. Everybody's looking for drama, you know, in this day and age, you know? What did Dr. Loveless say in that, what was that, the Wild West, <laughs> Wild, Wild West TV series? Everybody knows that the best toys are the one that's the go bang, you know? And uh, people kind of look for that in spirituality, spirituality oftentimes, you know. Uh, anything else? I think that pretty much covers it. I'm looking at, I've jotted down a few things here, but I think I covered them. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. 
Well, there's the idea of purity too. Uh, one thing that I've experienced living in these mountains is I noticed there's some, there's a certain group and it seems a rather large group of like Southern Baptists that they live a very pure life. And uh, it, what it starts to do is it, um, <clears throat> there's a certain, oh, lack of a better word, a sweetness about their demeanor and, and being around them. And purity like that is, is, is a very good thing. It's very simple. It's clean. Uh, and it just feels very, very healthy. It's not as mood making. It's not, you know, a Band-Aid therapy overlay. It's just the naturalness. Uh, and purity facilitates evolution, you see. Uh, but we also have to accommodate for the full range of personalities. And you see people use that as justification. I've talked about, you, you talked about this once, Scotty, about how I've talked about how it's natural. And then weren't you talking about some people say, well, that's just my nature? Yeah. Say something more about that. Well, I don't know. Um, sometimes people will talk that way. I think you were saying that, yeah, they do things that are very unhealthy. There you go. Oh. Does that work? They do things that are very unhealthy. And if you say, you know, that may not be so healthy to do that, they will say, well, it's just my own nature. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so the idea is that your nature isn't something that just you're living on the surface necessarily. When we talk about your nature, we're talking about your divine nature, your true nature, uh, not what seems natural to you because of your karma. Right. You know. Yeah, I think that conveys it, huh, Scotty? Yeah. Sure. All right. I think. That's, I think. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. It's just that that's where I think there's there's ways we need to look at things based on the fact that, like, you know, realizing that, okay, it's almost like we're programmed from our karma. So we have to be aware of that, you know, going yeah. into this so that we look at it from, okay, this is this is my view. This is my programming or whatever it is that however you should put that and maybe you can expand on that but if you look at it from that point this is my propuncium that i'm seeing the world through and i i have to keep exploring and have not be white knuckled to it but have a relationship where i can keep exploring yeah, that's well said. And that then enters the whole arena of self-honesty, which is not so easy. You right. Know? Yeah, that's good. That's good, Scotty. You know, they say that uh, enlightened people in this time, in these days, they're kicked around like a football. Now, why is that? It's because people have preconceived notions of how people are supposed to behave. And an enlightened person isn't going to conform to that. And so what do they do? They attack them you know they kick them around like a football so i thought it was it was actually a saint in india that i heard say that he said enlightened people in this time are kicked around like footballs that's something else to keep in mind you know that's why 
you know, they say a lot of these saints, they're living in caves or they're just not available uh, because let's face it, there's a tradition of crucifying our saints, you know, uh, and so they just soon live, live in caves, you know, or just not be accessible uh, to the world, which is a shame, you know. But uh, uh, there was one saint that, wanted, you know, because at some point you just feel compelled. You, ha you have this knowledge. You just want to share it, you know. So you feel compelled to go out in the world. And the one saint was going to do that. And his you know, friend that was another saint said, why do you want to go out there in all of that mud, you know. Uh, although it sounds kind of harsh, but but I think it's good to just get an idea of the sort of the big picture of uh, what's going on in the world today and how it's working from a really uh, profound perspective, I think. Okay. All right. I think that says it. I hope, um, I hope this was received in the spirit it was intended because a lot of times this can sound pretty exasperating in that, but really it's not because it, it clears the way. It gives us an idea of what lies before us if we really want to grow spiritually. All right. So, Scotty, if there's nothing else, that's in it. That's it for now. And we'll talk again with you all next week. Thanks for listening.